At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I can definitely be more uh, productive, uh, you know, sacks-wise. I think uh, this year hitting double digits is a main goal for mine, uh, whether it be at least 10 or 12 or something around there. So that's really kind of my main goal, really just kind of refining uh, just a lot of my game, whether that's pass rushing or just continuing to get more physical in the run game. You know, it's not often a player gives us his own over-under for a season, but Alex Highsmith, the Steelers' outside linebacker, just did. What do you think? Over-under nine-and-a-half sacks. Seeing as how Alex Highsmith only has eight sacks in two years so far, I'm going to go under. Just hope he proves me wrong. Tim Benz, Pittsburgh CityCast on a Thursday. It's brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. NHL Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5 tonight. Lightning on the minus 1.5 puck line at plus 200. They are at minus 129 on the money line. At the Rangers, the puck line is plus 1.5 at minus 245. Plus 110 on the money line. If you are giving me the Rangers at home with their success in the playoffs and with their success all year, actually at Madison Square Garden, getting plus money after losing two straight, I'll take them. I think this one goes to seven and the Lightning win it in seven. But for now, I'll take the Rangers to go back up in the series over under five and a half. Here's where the over under conflict comes in. Over, under, one and a half third period goals has hit in six straight Lightning games to the over, but eight of the Lightning's last nine games have gone under. I'm thinking over with an empty netter tonight, but I'm very much torn on the total, feeling better 
about the Rangers getting plus money. Lightning money line, 14% of the money, 51% of the tickets. Lightning spread, 6% of the money, 39% of the tickets. The over, 11% of the money, and 60% of the tickets. The Rangers have won eight straight home games, as I referenced before. Adam Fox has recorded at least one point in 13 straight home games at minus 180. Uh, So that might not be a bad bet, even though the odds aren't that much in your favor there. Fox is at plus 280 if you want to go over under a point and a half. That actually might make more sense if you think about it, but uh, one for you to consider. Mika Zibanejad has scored a goal in six straight home games, plus 135 to score tonight. I like that one too. All right, as for the NBA Finals, I took the Celtics and won last night. I was essentially doubling down on Boston in a way, telling myself, hey, I picked them to win four games in the series, right? I said that I'll take them to win the series. They got to win four. I picked them right in game one. I picked against them properly in game two. What better game to win than game one back east at home in their first home game of the finals? If they're going to win four, they're probably going to win this one. So that was my thinking. That was my logic, and it played out. So that paid off. Now, NBA Finals game four, Warriors plus 140 on the money line at the Celtics, who are four-point favorites, minus 167 on the money line, the over-under, 214 and a half. If I'm going to take the Celtics, I'm going to take them on a point spread, uh, either at minus four, maybe I slide it to two and a half, which is what I've been doing consistently in this series between these teams, depending on who I'm taking. Celtics money line, uh, that's getting 96% of the money and 48% of the tickets. The Celtics spread, 84% of the money, 49% of the tickets. The over, 4% of the money, 67% of the tickets. The Celtics may be a good bet here again. Steph got banged up at the end. The crowd is in Draymond's head. The heads of the whole team, it appears. I'll go Celtics again in game four, then take the Warriors back home to push it to six. And my big money payout of Celtics in six is just sitting there waiting to hit, and I can't wait to cash that ticket. Updated odds to win the NBA Finals MVP. Jason Tatum is at plus 105. Steph Curry, plus 200. That's not looking as good What with his injury towards the end of that game. Last night in Boston, Jalen Brown at plus 350, Marcus Smart at plus 2,500, then Al Horford at plus 5,000. Baseball, I stayed off the Pirates. That was wise yesterday. How about them, huh? Getting hot after winning 8 of 12, only to lose two in a row at home to the Stinking Tigers. After the Pirates swept the Los Angeles Dodgers and won a series against the Diamondbacks, in the Trib, I outlined a path for them to stay hot over the next two weeks or so it began with sweeping a two-game series from Detroit on Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon the Tigers entered PNC Park with the fewest road wins in Major League Baseball the fewest runs in Major League Baseball in last place of the American League Central with a three-game losing streak so of course the Pirates lost both games right that's just what the Pirates do with all that going for them they dropped two to the Tigers That prompted this email I got from a guy named Harry about the Pirates' attempt to stay hot, like I wrote about. Quote, that organization hasn't been above corpse temperature since I moved here in 1998. You wouldn't try to warm your hands in parrot feathers, would you? No, Harry, I wouldn't. That's quite the image you paint, though. No such concerns moving forward, though, for Harry and company. Up next, the Pirates go to Atlanta for four games. The Braves have won seven in a row. 
Then the Buccos visit St. Louis for four. And the Cardinals have beaten the Pirates five times in six tries this year, including once by the score of 18-4. to four. Staying hot probably won't be an option. The Braves won 13-2 yesterday, a mashing of the Oakland A's on Wednesday. Adam Duvall had one of the four homers in the game for the Braves. I had that game in my back pocket. During the win streak, the Braves have outscored opponents 52-20. They have improved to 30-27 on the year during it. Good for second place in the NL East. Granted, this win streak has been built against the likes of the A's, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. All those teams are below 500, but hey, so are the Pirates. That series starts on Thursday. The Braves' 76 home runs are tops in the National League. They have the eighth most runs scored in Major League Baseball at 259, the seventh most hits at 472, and the fifth best OPS at 757. Their pitching staff has 523 strikeouts, third most in baseball. So the Pirates, oh, they should just be fine, right? They'll be fine. Sure they will. Here's one piece of good news for the Pirates. Bad news for me. I had been planning to wager every cent I had in my bank account to bet on Adam Wainwright against the Pirates. I make that a tradition unlike any other. Anytime I can bet on Wainwright against the Bucks, I do. I'll let you know the next time I lose. I gave you all of his career numbers against Pittsburgh earlier in the week. We don't have to go down that path again. He was scheduled to throw against the Bucks in the series finale of that one on the 15th. Now I see he's slated to pitch in Boston instead against former Cardinal teammate Michael Waka on the 17th. So that's a change, and that makes me sad. I was about to make a mortgage payment with that one, but oh well, I guess we'll have to load up on Miles Mikolas instead or something like that. By the way, Cardinals Mikolas plus 140 underdogs against Tampa and Shane McClanahan today. He's at 6-2 with a 2-10. Mikolas at 4-3, uh, just over 302 for his ERA. Minus 177 on the under today. I'll take that one in that duel. You're probably hearing this after that game has started anyway. Uh, otherwise, play the Braves. Minus 286 favorites. How about a parlay with the Yankees? Garrett Cole versus Dylan Bundy. Bundy's ERA is 557 in the Twins. They already snuck one out against New York last night. That one I got dead wrong. I lost something fierce on that one. Chris Archer finally won. Yeah, that Chris Archer finally won a baseball game on the mound. Who saw that coming? Archer got a win for the Minnesota Twins on Tuesday. It was just his second since leaving the Pirates. His last start in Pittsburgh was August 20th, 2019. His last win here was June 6th, 2019. Then he didn't pitch in 2020 due to thoracic outlet syndrome. He then appeared in just six games, winning once in his previous 10 starts. With Tampa Bay, Archer was 0-2, but that changed Wednesday as the Twins thumped New York 8-1. Archer only allowed one earned run in five innings on the mound. He has yielded just two over his last 10 frames in his last two starts, dropping his ERA from 419 to 365 in 11 starts this season. The defeat ended what had been a seven-game Yankees win streak, so that one came out of the blue and smacked me in the face. Another good parlay partner for the Yankees today. If you don't want to play the Braves against the Pirates, might be the Giants at minus 275 against the Rockies, who stink on the road. Logan Webb for San Francisco. He's 5-1. and one. Okay, when we come back, we talk some Steelers with Joe Rudder, the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. We get into that conversation about Alex Highsmith, too, and some Steelers free agency talk as well. That's next in just 30 seconds of the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. 
Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Boz has done what we've asked him to do. Boz is a clutch guy. Boz is a pleasure to work with. You know, Boz is one of them seasoned vets now in this organization. It keeps reminding me about that. He, he's excellent. You know, I mean, we 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 happy with him, and he he'll he'll get a new deal at some point, and uh, he uh, he's doing very well. Yeah, so I guess at least one Steelers assistant coach is optimistic about a player getting a new contract. We don't know anything yet about Minka Fitzpatrick or Deontay Johnson, but Chris Boswell's looking for a new deal as well. The kicker and Danny Smith, the assistant coach of special teams for the Steelers, speaking Wednesday at minicamp. Had those glowing things to say about Boswell and the likelihood of him getting a new deal. That's as we continue on here. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. And if I could, I would bet on Chris Boswell getting a contract extension before the end of training camp this year for the Steelers. The kicker has been fantastic these last three years, making 84 of 91 field goals over that time, 92.3%. Entering the last year of his deal in terms of raw cash paid out this year, Spotrac says Boswell is slated to make $3.26 million, 15th among kickers this year, but his $4.94 million cap hit is fifth on the team according to OverTheCap.com. Another piece of NFL news, Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield will be excused from the team's mandatory minicamp next week. It's a mutual decision between him and the team, according to Cleveland coach Kevin Stefanski. Via the NFL Network, all players are subject to more than $90,000 in team fines if they are not present during all three days of mandatory minicamp. Mayfield's excused absence means Cleveland will not penalize the quarterback, though. He's in limbo with Cleveland and requested a trade during the Browns' pursuit of Deshaun Watson, who eventually signed a fully guaranteed deal at $230 million. But the franchise has yet to move on Mayfield. He was the first overall pick, of course, in 2018. Meanwhile, Watson is facing 24 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault and misconduct during massage sessions and is under investigation by the league. There's no word as to when or if he may be suspended by the NFL. Meanwhile, Jacoby Brissett may be in line to be the franchise's top quarterback if that happens and Mayfield continues to stay away. The Browns right now at plus 250 to win the North. I still can't believe the money is where it is on that. Even if Watson was quarterbacking, I wouldn't have them at plus 250 to win the North. There's a little bit of separation now between Baltimore, Cincy, and the Browns. Uh, We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm surprised the Bengals aren't bigger favorites to win the North, let alone in second behind the Ravens. Then there's the Steelers at plus 900. Those odds slightly more narrow than last time we talked about this when the Steelers were at plus 1,000. A good season out of Alex Highsmith certainly would help in that regard for the Steelers to add some balance when it comes to the outside linebacker pass rush. T.J. Watt, 22.5 sacks and Defensive Player of the Year last season. Highsmith, just six sacks in 851 defensive snaps. And he was the first to say that an expectation or an anticipation of him playing better is something that Steelers fans are warranted in advancing. My best football is ahead of me and that I've worked and continue to get better at my craft. And I just look forward to making a huge jump this year from year two to year three because I know I can and know I'm going to. So that's my goal of this year is to make an even bigger jump than I did last year. 
Now, we told you earlier how he said he thinks he can get 10 to 12 sacks. I would go under on that because, like I said, eight sacks in two years. I don't think he's going to jump up to 10 this year unless he pulls off a Bud Dupree and makes a massive hop from one year to the next. Of course, that didn't happen until year five for Dupree. That rookie year to second year jump is something Coach Mike Tomlin likes to always talk about. For Highsmith, it was more of a bunny hop than a leap. He played 43% of the snaps in 2020. That rose to 76% in 2021. With frequent injuries to Watt and Melvin Ingram's midseason trade, Highsmith shouldered a significant burden on the defense, but that increased playing time hasn't yielded the amount of splash plays usually associated with the Steelers in a 3-4 outside linebacker scheme, particularly an outside linebacker who should be benefiting from having so much attention frequently paid to stopping Watt on the other side of the field. Over two years, Highsmith has eight sacks, just one forced fumble, one pass defensed, no fumble recoveries, and one interception. Those numbers are somewhat similar to what Bud Dupree produced over his first two years. Nine and a half sacks, two passes defended, one forced fumble. By the time he left Pittsburgh after the 2020 season, though, Dupree managed 19 and a half sacks in his final 27 games as a Steeler, along with six forced fumbles and 24 tackles for loss. One issue dogging Highsmith right now is an inability to finish plays. By his own admission, Highsmith is winning at the line of scrimmage a lot, but he's rarely polishing off a quarterback with a sack or a strip. Really, I went back and looked at my film last year. There's a bunch of plays where I got I beat the guy, but I really finished the rush. And so that's what I've been working on you know, with TJ and just really working on those things to really finish the top of the rush. That's where it matters most because I can beat the guy, but the quarterback can step up and I can run around him. So just really it's about really bending the corner more, really just getting getting the, the guy's hands off me so I can really be able to finish that rush. Defensive coordinator Terrell Austin says the Dupree analogy is a good one in terms of Highsmith's developmental arc and that, 10 to 12 range of sacks seems reasonable to him as well. Bud, Bud's a, a good example of that. Everybody was, you know, Bud was a six, seven sack guy for a while, and then he turned the corner. He started finishing the plays, and then all of a sudden he's a double-digit sack guy. And I think uh, the same could be said for Alex. He's got the potential to do that. He said, you know, 10 to 12 sacks is where I want to be. Um, can he get there, and what does he need to do to get there? Uh, I think he can get there. Um, when you watch him play, uh, he, he knows, and the reason he probably brought that number out is because he left some sacks on the table, and it's just he's got to do a, just a better job in his mind of finishing and, and, and getting the guy on the ground, but he does. He does a good job in terms of rushing. He's good at setting the edge, and I think that's not a, an unreasonable goal for him. It's also not unreasonable to wonder if the Steelers will try to find another player like Ingram if one becomes available to push Highsmith, as was the case early in 2021 and maybe spell Watt with some more quality reps, as was the case last year before Ingram was dealt to Kansas City. Austin talks about that, too. I think at any position, you're always looking to see if you can strengthen your team. So if there's somebody out there that could strengthen us, uh, just like we did with Melvin last year, we thought he could strengthen us, then we'll bring him in. Uh, until then, we're going to work and, and, and coach the guys we have and, and see what happens with those and with those guys, and then we'll move from there. But if there's somewhere to strengthen our team and it doesn't matter the position, I would hope that we'll look at it. In the case of Highsmith, he appears to be hearing the coaching. That's never been an issue with him. He's become well-regarded among the staff as a bright, studious, sincere, hard worker. Now he just needs to pay it off. And that's something that took about five years for Dupree to hone. The Steelers are asking Highsmith to do it in year three. More importantly, he's asking it of himself, and I hope he answers his own call. He's an easy guy to root for. I like Alex Highsmith a lot. He's a guy where... 
I'm frustrated that I was right about. Like, I looked at Highsmith, and right away you could tell he was laser-focused. He's a yes-sir, no-sir kind of guy. Polite, engaged, smart, into it, seems to love football. I just never felt that there was much of a ceiling there when he was drafted out of Charlotte. And, boy, I hope that he breaks through it because, like I said, he's a wonderful kid, and you really want to see him do well, and nobody's harder on himself than he is. I just want to see him prove to be a worthy bookend for T.J. Watt, but it's becoming abundantly clear that the Steelers may be able to do better at that position someday if they don't start start getting the production from Highsmith that they were hoping to get when he was a third-round pick a few years ago. Uh, all right, let's catch up on the rest of the goings-on at minicamp for the Steelers. During the course of the week, I was filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X, and on Tuesday, I spoke with Joe Rudder, my colleague at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, to get the lowdown. This is on day one, where, among other things, Najee Harris was all bent out of shape about people talking about his weight. Let's start with the biggest story that came out from Steeler minicamp. Was it you that called Najee Harris fat? <laughs> I don't think anybody has called Najee Harris fat, and if anybody uh, did so, they wouldn't uh, really know what fat means because he's probably one of the most in-shape athletes that uh, you know I've had a chance to cover so far. I'm with you 100%, and I don't know where he's getting this, why he's so seemingly put off by how the media has presented his sculpted physical stature. I I was impressed by what I saw from Najee Harris, and I don't know if it was, like I said earlier, the Warren Sharp tweet that's suggesting he's not going to hit the hole as fast, and that was a problem for him last year, or that just in general he's going down a Jerome Bettis path of some sort that he brought up before, but... Of the 99 problems that the Steelers might have, Najee Harris ain't one. No, he definitely isn't. And, uh, you know, I mean, he actually, if you think about it, started this mess by coming up to people and saying he weighed 244 pounds, which is 12 pounds more than what they listed, you know, in the the Steelers' website. So, you know, then he joked about that today and said he hasn't weighed 232 since, um, I guess, his next-to-last college game he played against Notre Dame. So if he, if he wants to blame anybody, blame whoever initially listed him as being 232 pounds. He claims he's only two pounds heavier than last year. And that's even though that's what he weighs now, you know, as the, as the season starts taking its toll, he will be lighter as the year goes on. Joe, you tweeted out Deontay Johnson practiced at minicamp. Minka Fitzpatrick, who was also seeking a new contract, was on field as a bystander during team portions uh, does that mean he's the new T.J. Watt hold-in? It, it sure seems that way. I mean, it's a one-day sample size that, you know, he did some individual stuff and he stayed afterward and, you know, did some, you know, individual workouts after practice with the other defensive backs. But, you know, during the 11-on-11, you know, in the portions I saw, he was standing, you know, he was standing behind about 30, 30 yards behind the defense kind of taking everything in by himself out on the field. And that, you know, that seems to, you know, be a lot of what T.J. Watt did last year, especially in training camp when he just did a lot of individual works and then conditioning drills with members of the strength and conditioning staff um, until he got his contract. And, uh, you know, it seems like it seems like a precedent was set there last year. And, uh, you know, he's uh, Mink is going to follow the blueprint until we see otherwise. Deontay Johnson seemed sincere in what he was saying about how he's going to be patient with his contract situation and only worry about practicing and getting better. Is he? Do you think he's sincere? I think he probably realizes he has no other recourse, that holding out's not going to get it done. 
you know, maybe he could scale back and, you know, do more of what uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is doing. But really he doesn't, you know, because he's not a first-round pick, there's no 50-year option. He doesn't have, you know, a hefty payday right now to fall back on, or at least, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is, you know, $10 million he's going to get this year, where Deontay Johnson's like 2.79 or 2.97, you know, which would be the highest for his, but, you see these receivers, you know, the top 10 receivers, which he believes he is getting $20 million a year, you know, and at the next step, next level of guys are getting 15, you know, he wants a cut of that. And I think the only way he knows he can do that is if, you know, he's out there working and, you know, you know, being out there with his teammates trying to get better. Matt Canada spoke about the rotation at quarterback so far and reiterated that this is, you know, part of a plan that has been laid out to figure out who the best quarterback is for the team. But if resume and experience are coming into play as much as he seemed to suggest in those comments, Joe, uh, how does Kenny Pickett overcome that compared to Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky? I don't see how he does, not this year. I, you know, I think from the get-go, the Steelers, were, you know, unless Kenny Pickett really just wowed them or if somebody got hurt, I think that would be the only way they would expect him to start. I think they've had him ready to be groomed as, you know, I don't know about the number three, but at least the backup. I don't expect think they were expecting him to, you know, to be in that starting mix. I mean, yeah, they can say he is in the starting mix, but realistically I didn't think they really expected him to be unless something happened or, you know, Mason Rudolph gets traded at some point. I just never thought he he was a viable option. How do you think they will handle that, Joe? Like, how do they look at Mason Rudolph and see return for value there insofar as what they want to get to leave themselves potentially a little bit exposed when it comes to the third-string quarterback? Um. I don't. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't like. Is it a sixth I mean, round pick? Is it a fifth round pick? Like, do they need something that high? Does it need to be higher? Could it be lower? I, I wonder what they feel I, like I, is worth it. I don't think they can expect to get anything more than you know. I would think it's a fifth or sixth round pick. I don't think there's any way they could expect to get anything higher that than that, unless you know another team is just decimated by injuries and really needs and covets a guy like Mason Rudolph, which I don't know if the market is there. Uh, there may be other options, but I think if they could get that, they would take that. Um, you know, it just seems it seems they kind of have had their mind made up that unless uh, Mitch Trubisky falls flat in his face, that he's going to be the quarterback this season. Did their mind get officially made up beyond anything else once the set schedule came out and they saw three games in like 12 days to start the season and five games, well, four games against playoff teams, two games against uh, divisional foes on the road? Did that schedule really change their way of thinking or or maybe not change, but underscore their way of thinking. I guess in a small way it could have, I mean, I get, you know, you would want to have someone, you know, with a little seasoning under them, you know, to enter that type of stretch for the, for the year. But I, I think it's, you know, part of their plan, at least in year one is to just bring Kenny Pickett along slowly, watch him, you know, let him watch and develop and learn. And, you know, get ready to perhaps be the quarterback in 2023. I'm not sure if the schedule had much to do with that at all. You know, just what I took out of it is that it just seems like, you know, Mason Rudolph is the backup, might be the backup in name only, but that they would love for Kenny Pickett to move into that spot at some point. And if he doesn't, that just underlines to me even more something that I've mentioned on a few occasions today, Joe, which is like, I'm done 
framing any conversation about Pickett with the whole thought of he's the most ready to play immediately because apparently that doesn't matter. You know, like we, we all made this differentiation between him and like Malik Willis that Pickett was so much more ready to play and Malik Willis was so green. But if it looks like now more than ever, Trubisky is going to be the guy to start, I, I guess that didn't matter. And they're just making this on a purely – talent-based evaluation that they think when Kenny Pickett plays, so long as he's a Pittsburgh Steeler, he'll be a better Pittsburgh Steeler than Malik Willis. And it doesn't have to do with how quickly he can get out there and prove that. It's just what the talent is. Yeah, uh, you know, they, you know, as they said, they had him, they had him rated high enough that they were willing to trade up for him if it came to that. Uh, you know, as, as we know, they considered that. I mean, Yeah, that, with the yeah, Texans, right. Me, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, that shows me that they, you know, that, that that they value him as you know as the the top talented player in the draft over everybody else. Uh, you know that even though Willis brought other kind of uh, tangible items that seemed enticing for this offense, that they really had their mindset on him as a you know pocket type passer that uh, you know they think is the best and most experienced in his class. Joe, if I give you defensive line, outside linebacker backup running back of those three needs for the Steelers, which is the most pressing and can they address all three substantively before the end of training camp? What was the second one? Outside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive line and backup running back. I think backup running back can be addressed. I'm I'm sure there are guys out there. I I think they'd probably like to have another veteran type of player in there. I'm not sure if they want to, you know, rely on Benny Snell. But then, you know, then again, they have to take Najee Harris off the field to allow somebody else to win and get those those reps. And, they, you know, they didn't do that last year. Najee Harris indicated this year that, that he'll be on the bench a little more. So, yeah, you're going to need somebody like that. I think that's someone they can easily acquire. Defensive linemen at this point, I, you know, I think they're going to roll with what they have and hope that somebody can, you know, step up there and be a good run defender and help them in that way because, you know, I, I just don't see there really being many options, you know, outside of, you know, what is already, you know, there's not too many free agents out there that aren't old or, you know, too expensive. So I would think that would be a little harder for them. And outside linebacker is kind of a tricky thing because, there, you know, there's probably not many of those out there either. I mean, they're relying on, you know, bringing a guy like Tuzar Skipper back to see if he can win a roster spot. You know, and I think inside linebacker has a chance to be, you know, problematic for them too. It uh, depth after the, you know, the. Two well, starters. if Merrill Hodge is right, and the best inside linebacker they got is Robert <laughs> Spillane, then hell yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and I wasn't even considering him in that equation there. I, you know, um, you know, Bush and uh, and Miles Jack, but you know, Spillane's a decent third option, I guess. I don't think I, eh. you know, rely on him being my starting my, you know, my starting inside linebacker. But you're going to need. You know more depth there as well, and you know I guess they're planning on Mark Robinson being kind of a project, but um, yeah, there's definitely areas that they can address, and I think it's going to be real interesting at the end of the camp when all when you know the weight and when the cuts come out. You know I have a feeling they're going to be looking for some guys to fill some of those spots we just talked about. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, for as much as we were all reacting to the Stefan Tuit news, it's actually a deeper position than some of the others that you and I just outlined. They actually have bodies there who have played before and they don't have that many, you know, the the quality of snaps that they got from Chris Wormley, for instance, I think were better than what they got from Benny Snell. Um, You know, the quality of snaps that they got from, 
Robert Spillane are probably better than what they got from Tuska. Or if, if Tuzar Skipper is really what everybody wants me to believe every training camp, wouldn't he have stuck by now? You know, that sort of thing. Exactly. And when you look at you know, a guy like Chris Worm, he did have a career high, seven sacks last year. You know, he, he could be a guy that's, you know, that's ascending a little bit. But if he isn't, you're hoping Isaiah Loudermilk can take that necessary second year leap that Mike Tomlin talks about. Uh, yeah, I, I think th- those are, you know, guys that they can rely on more. I think right now a guy like Benny Snell and Robert Swain, you know what they are. I think you know kind of what their ceiling is here. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, are you satisfied with that or do you think you can find something else, you know, maybe off the scrap heap or in a trade late in training camp? Finally, Joe, before we go, does everybody have to wear the guardian caps? <laughs> well, they're not required to. It's supposed to be for – uh, offensive, defensive linemen, linebackers, tight ends. Um, but today, everybody wore them, including Mike Tomlin, for part of practice. Um, yeah, so I don't know if the Steelers are going to require all their players to wear them, you know, at least through the rest of minicamp. I'm not even sure. This is the first I heard of it. I knew it was a possibility for training camp, but I didn't know they were required to wear them. Or maybe they're just jumping the gun and showing how compliant they're going to be by wearing these things. Uh, during minicamp, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow if they scale it back or if they're continuing to make, make the statement that, hey, we're all in on this project. I think it's one big ruse so that if the linebackers have to wear them, we're not going to ask who's wearing the green dot between Miles Jack and Devin Bush. How about you? <laughs> True, and you wouldn't be able to see the green dot under these helmets anyhow. So you know, I think it makes it, everybody it, it, look like Mason Rudolph when he got hit by Earl Thomas and didn't have the cart. Remember when they had to take his face mask off? I think everybody looks exactly yeah. that way now. <laughs> yeah, you know, or if you're old enough to remember the Flintstones, uh, you know, the great kazoo, of course. <laughs> All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder. The Steelers right now, plus 305 to make the playoffs. That's a hefty payout for a team that I think is going to be around eight to nine wins. Number of games won in the regular season for the Steelers. Under seven and a half is plus 100. Over seven and a half is paying out at minus 121. That's not too rich to think the Steelers might get to eight, nine wins and still miss the playoffs where it's no at minus 400. So not a lot of people thinking that the Steelers will be in the top seven right now. As for the Browns, we mentioned them before with their situation. They aren't on the board right now at Bet Rivers for their over-under win total because of Deshaun Watson. And I think that's a pretty wise route to go because, boy, does that swing your thinking or what? Whether it's Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, or Jacoby Brissett, you could go in any number of different directions. But uh, just in general, whatever the number is for the Browns, I'll say under, and I'll feel secure in doing so. All right, that'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast. Thanks for joining us. Mike Pursuta tomorrow. He'll join us as he's back from vacation from the Bahamas, although Mike was good enough to join us from the Bahamas. We'll talk about hockey Uh, wrapping up the Eastern Conference Final and looking ahead to Game 6. Talk some NBA with Mike. He's been over at minicamp all week. Lots of Steelers talk with him, too. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.